episode 389 of Global From Asia Journey, Becoming a Digital Nomad in Asia, e-commerce seller. Great story. Let's tune in right now. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you, everybody, for choosing to listen to our last podcast of the new of this year, 2022. It's a good one. Episode 389, getting up there to the 400s. We got Riley. He's an awesome dude. I live in that life. YouTube channel was I've seen quite a few of those shows and he's a very successful e-commerce seller, you know, living that life, traveling around, mostly in Thailand and then Bali, Indonesia. And today we talk about his story, how he got into the game, how he found his way, the journey. And what I like about him is he's trying to get everybody like that. You listening, whether you're doing it already or you're not doing it, it's inspirational, it's interesting. And it's kind of a double header. We did two. We, we, we actually did this streaming on his channel. I'm going to do both both interviews because why not? So I first interview him and then he talks to me after. So if you're interested, it's, it's a little bit longer. But l- lately the shows have been longer, getting diver, diving deeper here. So it's a holiday special and enjoy. Also after the show... We'll talk a little bit about some plans that we have for the new year, what's going on, and some things maybe you can get involved with. There's actually, as always here at Global From Asia and and, and uh, what we do, there's always stuff happening. So we'd love to get you involved. Let's listen after the interview with Riley. Let's do it. Are you looking for a cross-border logistics company from Asia to the East and the West? Then look no further. Cross Better Logistics is a solution for you. From ocean shipping to air freight, from factory to 3PL warehouse, Amazon FBA, and Walmart. Cross Better Logistics is an experienced service provider for e-commerce sellers and B2B traders on TPS Trade. As a GFA Partner Level sponsor, let them know we sent you and they'll take care of you. Check them out at www.crossbetter.com today. All right. And what's up, Amazon Seller Chat, Mike Michelini? What's up? up in here? E-commerce OG <laughs> Global from Asia. How you doing, everybody? I'm doing Great I'm doing good. Here. Yeah. So yeah, we just connected the other day, both living out here in Asia, e-commerce lifestyle. You've been doing e-commerce since what 2004? Yeah. Somehow started selling eBay back then. Yeah. Back in New York City days. Nice. So it's been it's been quite the journey. Yes, it has. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'm excited to chat here about all things Amazon, e-commerce, you know, digital lifestyle. Yeah, man. So great. So we'll we'll start with I could get ask you some questions first and you get me. Yeah. So. Yeah, sure. All right. We'll go over to your table. All right. Well, thanks, Riley. Yeah, it was a really pleasure. We just met up in Bangkok last week, had a nice dinner, and ch- chatted some of the some of the different war stories and marketing tactics and things like that. So, so this 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 will be a show. I'm gonna this will be on your channel and and I think on, on my channel at Global From Asia podcast. But I get to interview you and ask you some questions your your story too, of of getting into the lifestyle. Over here in Asia, ecom, Amazon. So, so Riley, when would you say you? Maybe let's go back. Like, why did you think to you know start your own business, start selling online at all? What was the kind of the trigger? Yeah, well, I actually, kind of got into direct sales in college summers. One of my friends, nice. he was like. He's like, I just made a thousand bucks last week. I was like, what? A thousand bucks in a week, dude? Like, whatever you're doing, sign me up. And it was door-to-door sales. 
And so I got into that after my freshman year of college and ended up doing it all four summers of college, Sweet. just door to door. And then, there you, go. you know, that, that's kind of like, you know, direct marketing, direct sales. And then I actually ended up doing corporate sales actually for the same company, Comcast, still door to door. I was their outside sales team, but corporate employee. Like, so I have to go into the office at like 10 in the morning for a few hours, team meetings, badges, scanning into the building, the whole thing. And so like door to door was my thing. And then, you know, just like basically all commission based, just getting your sales done and then getting your commissions every two weeks. And then I guess I just got so burnt out with that, you know, eventually. And I would just like dream about just being able to stay in Starbucks in the cold air conditioning and just get my commissions there, just like via email or something. And because we used to have our pre-meetings at Starbucks, like out in the neighborhoods before we would go out in the field. And then so that just got me like really thinking about like, how can I make, you know, similar good commissions online and just kind of got me into the, you know, digital marketing world, like reading blogs and stuff. And then it really kicked off when actually my best friend, Parker, who we started our Amazon business together, but he did a semester abroad in Thailand. And then I went to visit him with a couple other friends. And that got us the spark to want to live abroad for a year. And after that quick two week trip out there, I was looking on YouTube, like live in Thailand, working in Thailand, and then found Johnny FD's channel on YouTube. He says, I'm in Chiang Mai, check out my co-working space. I'm doing Shopify, dropshipping, e-commerce. And I'm like, what the heck, digital nomad? Like, what is this? And so we're like, screw teaching English or working at a resort abroad. Like, let's do this digital nomad e-commerce stuff. And he said, by the way, I'm having this conference out in Chiang Mai. Everyone come. And we're like, let's go to that. Went to it got into Amazon and the rest is history. That's a cool story, man. That's really cool. And then obviously you kind of, I, you know, I, I think it's good. You started in sales. I think sales is, is some people think foundation of marketing. Cause you understand you get that one-to-one relationship hitting, hitting the streets, right? You learn mm-hmm. the, the questions, right? What's the questions that somebody or that, the hesitation somebody asks you, right? When mm-hmm. they say no, and you, you know, you find out all the no's to get to the yes. And then you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen your, your Amazon businesses and it's really done well. And you know, you're covering all those questions, right? Whether it's a sales page or a product details page, you're, you're always mm-hmm. trying to get somebody to, to have less reasons, reasons to say no. Yep. And yeah, I mean, Johnny FD, I've met him a few times. He's really, really nice guy and does great things. Mm-hmm. So so it was just direct to Chiang Mai was uh, the the goal, the first Yeah, step. it was. Uh, yeah, it came out to the his first kind of conference out there. It was Dropship Lifestyle Retreat. And yeah, first one in 2014. And cool. uh, so, yeah, it was straight there. And, uh, you know, we had started our our high ticket drop shipping store and maybe had that up and running for about six months, wasn't really getting traction. And so when we went to the conference, there was a guy that did a talk about Amazon FBA private labeling method. And a few other guys that we had met were, were already doing it and making great cash. So we said, let's try that out. And it was actually our second product ended up getting good traction. And so, yeah, we were off. Yeah. I mean, I love this. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I mean, it wasn't the first product, right? I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people get discouraged. You know, it, it is nerve wracking. It is scary, but yeah, I mean, most people's first first product is not usually the one that hits it. So, mm-hmm. and then yeah, high ticket drop shipping to Amazon FBA private label. Yeah, 2014 was was early was early for FBA private label. I mean, I think private label, the term was just starting around then, maybe. And so, 
So then mostly probably from China, buying from China or, or. Oh yeah. 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 China. I remember I was on AliExpress looking yeah. for stuff and I found this product on page 50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was actually an idea for a product that I had. So actually one of my, one of our friends was crushing it with a selfie stick and I had the idea to do a selfie stick tripod like put a tripod on the bottom of it so I could stand it up on the desk and record videos. And so try selfie stick tripod did not exist back then in 2015. Now, when you search selfie stick, they're all selfie stick tripods. You can't get a selfie stick that doesn't have a tripod in the bottom that doesn't stand up. And so like 2015 crazy. And so I found a little cheap little selfie stick with a tripod on it on the bottom of on page 50 when I was searching selfie stick on AliExpress. And we basically made a heavy duty version of that. And we were basically like pretty much the first premium selfie stick tripod on Amazon. And cool. that got traction. And so, yeah, that was our, that was our first a winner in there in around like 2015. So, so it seems like it. So you are making modifications to the product, right? So are they molding changes or so is it, it was like- actually no mold? So actually we took like a GoPro pole and we took a tripod, which is basically this exact tripod. Let me see it. And we just yeah. bundled them together and you could just screw the GoPro stick onto it. And we called it Got the it. selfie stand. And so Got it was it. literally just a, a tripod with the GoPro pole, like one of the, you know, eh, you know, heavy duty like ones it. you take like scuba diving or whatever and just bundle it together and put, you know, different mounts on the top. So there's a GoPro mount, a phone mount, yeah, GoPro mount or a phone mount. And so you could do either camera, GoPro Pro or phone and it sold it for like $39.99 and yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I love the hustle, man. And I know like try to, I, especially if, when people first starting out, don't, don't, Try not to do molds and upfront costs until you either have more money to burn or are confident that it's going to be the right product. So, mm-hmm. and uh, so then was it like, so you were living off this like one product or were you kind of expanding? It was it like a product line? Was it, or did you do Yeah, we were, or? for the most part, we were living off this one product. It was like, you know, we launched like some phone cases. I mean, over the years, yeah, we launched like a standalone tripod. Oh, we launched a, a second version that was called the grip stick. So it was the same s- stick pole, but with a grippable tripod, like an octopus grip arm and called that the grip stick. And that ended up selling like just as well and didn't have as long of a life cycle, but that like was another successful product, basically kind of competing itself, just like another version of it. So yeah, that was that. And then in the next coming years, we launched some phone cases, some mini tripods, some Bluetooth remote type things, but nothing, nothing, nothing really caught super good traction until the, the uh, sticky wallet in about 2017, which I gave you a sample there in Bangkok. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. And so, and so this baby's still churning. And so this is kind of our, <laughs> our main brand. So we basically created a whole brand around Sticky Wallet. And so, yeah. And then, uh, and then around 2018, kind of a good friend invited me to his agency mastermind in, uh, in Bali. And he's like, you know, we, we did a couple of interviews on his channel and he's like, you should start an, an Am- like you're an Amazon guy. You could start an Amazon agency. And so I was like, you know, as any entrepreneur, you know, next What's your next thing? What's your next source of income? And so, yeah, I kind of launched it at that little conference that I went to kind of a more of like a retreat slash bootcamp two week thing, all about building and, and growing your agency. And so, so yeah, that was 2018. And then started my agency then and still, still the agency is the, the main thing now. Great, man. Congrats. Yeah. This is a lot uh, interesting st- story. So where actually I forgot to, add, I think you're, I hope it's okay. I ask Phuket, right? You're in Phuket right now? Or 
I'm in Bangkok right now, but You're I've been still mostly, Bangkok. Okay, I thought you were going Phuket to this year. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that basically my point is like I think I'm in Chiang Mai. You were here. You're in Bangkok now. Like maybe maybe give us some updates of where where you've enjoyed over these years. You know, to, coming out to Asia, living this lifestyle. What were some of your highlights of living? Yeah, man, it's all a highlight, you know, where there's palm trees and sun, <laughs> I'm a happy dude, you know, I can, I can try to be tan, you know, at least a little bit. And so, you know, yeah, I, I love the sun. And so, you know, Southeast Asia, Thailand, it kind of chose us, you know, with, with the finding Johnny's channel and with, you know, my best friend doing a study abroad out here. And, yeah. you know, right when we came to that conference, it was like immediately you meet a hundred friends that are like-minded, ambitious, adventurous, willing to come out to the other side of the world for Thailand to pursue their, their entrepreneurial dream. Most of them are, you know, digital nomad minded. So they also, you know, are, you know, love experiencing other countries, other cultures, you know, the endless summer lifestyle. And just enjoy that freedom of, of, you know, being location independent and being able to work from anywhere. And mm -hmm. so, so yeah, you know, once, once you're here and you have that initial group of friends in Thailand, that just became kind of like the home base. And so most of the time, so first couple years we're in Chiang Mai and then most of the past five years based in Bangkok, I also did a couple of years in Bali and I've traveled around a good bit, you know, done some stints in Croatia, two months stint in Croatia, three months stint in like Istanbul. But have you been to Bali? I can't. I, I've even I've even bought conference tickets to friends events and I haven't been. I even didn't go. I, I, I don't know. It just seems like a little bit hard to get to. Not hard to get to, but, you know, there was... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll make it yet, man. I, I'm so yeah. When you get the chance, I have good people there that live there. I want to go. You know, I see them in other places, but I want to go visit them there. I haven't been to Bali, man. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. When you get the excuse, conference or friends, whatever, it's it's great. You know, it's just an, it's another tropical paradise, and so <laughs> you know, can't really can't really say anything too bad about that place. Great, great to work remote remotely and Let's similar to Thailand, lots of, you know, lots of entrepreneurs and creatives and really smart and cool people. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the bad. I mean, what are some of the hard, hardest obstacles or, you know, I know that there's a good life, the easy life, but, you know, I like to hear the kind of the challenges or the, the hardships, if there are, or it was all, all smooth. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess there's different, different facets, yeah. you know, there's, there's the living abroad, living in another country facet. And then there's the entrepreneurial facet. Yeah. I'm and usually on the business side. Into, I'm or... more on the business. I guess more on the business side. If yeah. You have to pick one. Yeah. I mean, on the, on the entrepreneurial side, you know, it's always any business, it's always ups and downs, you know, nothing is ever smooth sailing 100% of the time. But, uh, you know, for, for folks like you and I, we are all about the philosophy of being our own boss and creating our own future. So yes, there are those certain stresses with, you know, being the owner of company, you have all these things you got to feel like you need to do. And, you know, if, you know, it's, if the business you know, has a downturn. It's like your responsibility of so many things going on. And we have all these plates we got to spin. But, but at the end of the day, you know, we chose this path to be our own boss and, and build our own thing. So it's, it's what we signed up for. It's the, it's the yeah. game we, we signed up to play. And if you have a nine to five corporate job, that has its own stresses too, arguably more. And so, yeah, there's right. stresses, but, that's just anything in life has its, has its, uh, you know, stresses. How about the, you know, how, how about your parents? What, what do your parents feel? Or your family? Yeah. My parents are, are great and so blessed to have awesome supportive parents. My mom's been out three times. She cool. was just out here this, just this February. And so she loves it. She loves visiting. My dad's been out once. And so, yeah, they're, 
they're super supportive and so yeah it's great and where where's home hometown seattle seattle washington seattle. good old good old home of amazon nice there you go go talk to bezos whenever you want and Get starbucks a of coffee yeah exactly coffee <laughs> yeah. man and rain yeah. and rain yeah but i'm up from i'm over in connecticut's other side but yeah seattle's great mm-hmm. i've been out there startup weekend started there too uh, hmm. i was there so let's let's so the journey like yeah came out 2014 realized you could yeah do the digital nomad stuff the drop ship legit fba i'm just kind of recapping here and then yeah went through a few different products the sticky wallet is what's working agency mastermind this has been been fun so what you know how about like how about some of the the, the, the lifestyle challenges or, or 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 things you've gone through here? Yeah, lifestyle challenges. Well, again, you know, everyone has their own life situations, and I'd say for for many digital nomads, one of the biggest challenges or downsides is you're not around your family all the time or you're further away from them but i I fly back home every summer haven't missed one for a month every july for the fourth family reunion spend time with fam and so but you know everyone has their own life stages and so i bounced out here at 25 you know no mortgage girlfriend kids dogs or anything to take (laughs) care of and so you know what i tell you know other guys in their 20s like this is the time to take risks and to go out there and to start that business and to live in that country and to you know do that thing and and take those risks so so yeah and so and you know this was you know my dream lifestyle to be a digital nomad you know ever since i found johnny and i found jabril and like other you know travel you know guys on youtube from then i was just like dead set this is laptop and passport it's all you freaking need that is the lifestyle and so in terms of lifestyle challenges like having a job back home that was my lifestyle challenge yeah that was the life i didn't want for me and so having to wake up in the morning and go commute to work that was the lifestyle challenge and so mm-hmm. the kind of whole life hack was to be able to be able to make your living online. So you don't have to do that. You can, you know, structure your day and your week and your month and your year on your own time. But uh, so, yeah, <laughs> there's that perspective. But uh, yeah, in terms of living abroad, you know, I like to, you know, on my, my, uh, my vlog and, and blog, living that life, just kind of have the message that it's really not as scary at all. It's pretty easy to connect to digital nomad communities around the world. It's, you know, the whole world is, is globalized and you can get a nice apartment very easily anywhere in the world. And especially in places like Thailand, uh, Chiang Mai, Bali, Phuket, Bangkok, you can plug right into conferences and meet hundreds of other dudes, gals in the same boats from all countries around the world and it's it's very very easy to to be anywhere now so it's not not really that many challenges you know the visa thing very figure outable just figure out a setup that that works for you so so yeah i heard there's some challenges now in thailand though really recently i think yeah student visa people using student visas getting harder maybe i don't know if you heard that yet yeah but yeah, I, 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 I did just have a friend, a chip. He's another FBA guy. He just texted me. He's on the Ed visa, but now you, he can't get the Elite visa because he already had an Ed visa or something like that. But there's, still, you know, yeah, just always Google, a way to Google, figure it out. Go, just Google search and see what's going on, see what other people are doing on YouTube, and I think and just do what they're doing. You know, I think I think we have. The, I think it's the same chip. Maybe he's from mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tall, a, tall yeah. chip does FBA. Yeah, based in Chiang Mai. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I probably know. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so I think you know, still seems a name. What do you think about the people that we were joking really quickly on the vlog? Like, 
it's never too late. You know, people are probably still saying, oh, but Riley, this you did in 2014. You got in early on the private label thing, you know, like they're, they're thinking of excuses. They're listening right now. They're like, oh, we lost Riley. Oh, he's back. I'm still here. <laughs> it scared me, man. I, I'm putting you on a full screen. Oh, you, I thought you dropped, man. I mean, mm. Okay. But people are saying they're like, oh, I'm scared. Like, you know, they won't say they're scared, but they'll say, oh, it worked for you, but it won't work for me. You know, there's, I think that's a common one, right? Or it worked then, but it won't work now. You know, like there's so many people doing it. Like, you know, I'm too late. Yeah. You know, maybe I, what do you normally say to something like that? Yeah, it's yes and no. And so with like the, get into FBA, you know, almost like it's a fucking MLM or something. <laughs> like, you know, it's like maybe back in the day, maybe it's like you just get in and you throw in any old garlic press up and you can make yeah. 10K. That's for sure over. You can't just do that anymore. And maybe in the heyday, early day of Amazon, you could – because there was not all the Chinese copycats, not all the private label sellers. So that's probably true. And now it's like a more real business. Amazon is just the online shopping industry. Amazon is just physical products. So doing Amazon, you have to start with a good idea like any business. And so, yeah, what I tell people is, yeah, you can't have any copycat, same, same generic private label product. That's probably not going to, probably not going to, you know, be a, a heavy hitter because even if it's not, even if there's not a lot of competition, you know, a Chinese seller can just have the exact same product and beat you on price. And so you got to have, you got to make your product unique and better. And so... And so, you know, more crowded with, you know, basic products, definitely. Same with any other platform. So YouTube over the past five years also has gotten way more crowded. So if you're putting out just like basic, okay content, your stuff is getting way drowned out now by premium, premium good content. Yeah. And I'm speaking to myself too. My views <laughs> have gone way down because there's oh, more no. digital nomad vloggers. There's more people... And so every platform, even Instagram, everyone's noticed my reach is not the same as it was three years ago. Yeah, because there's more creators. Al algorithms have also changed. That's, that is something too. But it's just, it's just like the internet every year it gets more and more users. So what does that mean? It means you need to adapt to the new platforms, new strategies, and or just be better and more unique. Same thing with a yep. YouTube channel or a physical product. You just got to be better and more unique. Yep. I agree. I agree. And I think we're kind of getting towards the end of my, my section, but yeah, for my, you know, I think we'll put this on my show. So I, for my ending, what's some ways Riley for you to, for people to find you and connect with what you're, what you're up to. Sure. Yeah. My, my Amazon agency, amazing marketing co amazing marketing co.com. Check us out. So my travel vlog is living that life. YouTube.com slash living that life. Also on Instagram, living that life of Riley is my Instagram. I'm kind of sharing yeah, kind of just digital nomad lifestyle. You know, my mission there with the, with the living that life, you know, blog and vlog is, yeah, just what I said, inspire other guys to take the leap to, to moving abroad, make it, you know, spread, spread the, you know, kind of angle that it's not, it's not as scary as it may seem. And you know you should you should totally do it if you want to do it, and and yeah, my Amazon agency is yeah like A to Z Amazon agency clients in the U.S. launching and, and managing their their Amazon stores. So so that's that. Really cool. Thanks so much, Riley. Really really had fun. Yeah, that was good. Tips. Yeah, great questions. All right. All right. Cool. So yeah, let's dive into me interviewing you. Uh, <laughs> you've been in the game for a while so for those that don't know michael michelini and your channel or your your blog is over here 
Let me make sure I'm sharing the screen. And oh, nice. I don't, I don't see the screen, but oh, okay. Let me share the screen over here. Oh yeah, there it is. Boom. Oh, cool. Boom. Yeah, there it is. Log right here. So check them out online. MichaelMichelini.com, cross-border trade, e-commerce, digital marketing guy, you know, bulletproof your e-commerce business in a post-COVID world. And so a lot of in the e-commerce industry, living in it for a long time. Also, globalformation.com, um, cross-border leader committee, talking about Amazon, talking about importing, build your global empire, and, and Mike's blog. So yeah. doing a bunch of blog writing video blogs as well and so yeah check them out lots lots of stuff lots of knowledge to be shared thanks buddy and, uh, yeah and so yeah so we got connected through some mutual friends surprised we hadn't met sooner and so i had a kind of a some questions for you and what's really interesting is you said you got started in e-commerce in 2004 so what were you doing then what got you into it and and yeah what was that what were you doing in 2004 sure i just barely got out of college then i was working in wall street so don't have the normal track i i went to engineering school because my dad my parents wanted me to be, me, be like a computer engineer but i I thought it'd be cool to be in business. So I still did engineering, but then I went to Wall Street after and worked on basically a Deutsche Bank. It's a German bank on the trading floor for junk bonds. So I was working in, in there, but I, to me, I, I thought I, man, I had no idea what I was doing, to be honest, dude. I just, mm -hmm. nobody, in my, nobody in my family or my network was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost embarrassing, but at that time I thought to start my own business, <laughs> I thought I had to work, go to MBA school, and then start yep. a business. I thought I had to get an MBA to start a business. Nobody, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I had it in my mind, but I was like, I thought I had to learn how to do business at an MBA school. So I thought I was going to have to work in a while, save up, do the GMATs. But then I started just actually my coworker, Greg, he took his senior design project from college at Michigan and turned it into a business selling apps. And I was helping him out on that. And I was so amazed that he could, you know, make money selling apps in 2003. It was 2003 because I started in 2004, but I was helping him on that. I was trying to join as a partner. He didn't want to have partners. So then I started to find other things while we're both still working in New York on Wall Street. But I was doing online marketing. Nobody even knew what online marketing was then. And he was just like, oh, you, you know, I, I started to learn how to do growth hacking in an app store. There was no iPhone apps. There was no Android at all. It was mm -hmm. J2ME Java apps in Nokia phones. So I, I was talking about email marketing and Overture. And I saw a Yahoo ad about attend online seminar of how to sell online start your online e-commerce business, something like this free lunch in Holiday Inn in 34th Street, Manhattan. And I was like, click, you know, click the banner on the top of my Yahoo mail. And then I signed up. Well, actually I invited my roommate, Andrew. I was like, oh, Andrew, you want to go with me? There's free lunch. He's like, all right, <laughs> I'll get the free lunch. Holiday Inn. <laughs> so then we, we go and then it was like a Saturday after Saturday after you know Saturday lunch afternoon you know, and it was a hard pitch. It was like, it was not a soft pitch. It was like this dude. I'm eating some kind of steak, not steak, like chicken or something, you know. And there's a hundred mm -hmm. people in a room, and there's a speaker that sells wheatgrass kits, and he says, "I'm you know I'm, I'm making money online. It's, I'm here to I'm paid here to help." present to you how to do this and then uh, i was so skeptical i'll be honest man i, I was like this mm -hmm. is this is some this is some scam they're just cheeks you know trying to swindle me get me a free lunch and uh, we 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 listened to the to, to, he actually gave some good content you know he did give it wasn't purely sales pitch but there were people in the back of the room trying to sell you 
you know, so you would go to the bathroom or they would try to say, can you come sit at the table with me and talk about your situation? They were trying to like close you. Hmm. So we were like, Andrew and I were like, we're too smart. We're not this dumb. We're not going to get scammed some MLM bullshit, you know? So, yeah, yeah. That's so what we, it sounds like. That's what it smells like. It, <laughs> it feels like it. It was like a three yeah. to $4,000 program that you, uh-huh. could pay, you could do up front or you could do monthly installments. So it included like the CDs. It was like one of those plastic binders wow, of yeah. C- CDs of how to do PPC, wow. how to do PPC, how to do like how to create your store. You know, they gave you the software. It was actually they got sued for this because of their hard sales. But honestly, their product wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but but we left. We're walking down the road. And then Andrew and I are talking. We're like, yeah, I bet you we could have made it work, even though it looks like kind of a scam or it looks like maybe it's expensive, maybe $4,000. Maybe we could figure out a different way to do it. But this did have everything in one and we could finance it. And we're talking to ourselves into it as we're walking down the street of Manhattan. <laughs> so we stopped on a street corner, I don't know, maybe four or five blocks. And we're like, you know what? It's true. Why don't we just do it? Yeah, we, we're not going to go and find the shopping cart and the merchant account and this and that and try to – we'll just sign up we'll, we'll just and we'll just drop ship products. So we sh- we said 50-50 and we just shook hands, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we walked back. They're cleaning up the tables. You know, they're, they're folding the chairs. They're like putting the mm-hmm. papers away. They're like – Somebody came back. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> you escaped and you came back. So, yeah, we signed up. We signed up and we didn't know what we were going to sell, right? It was like drop, you know, just drop ship. And they gave you three storefronts. So, it was, you know, it was, I guess you could say it's like Shopify kind of, but, you know, you could use their back end system and then publish a storefront and then load it with products and then. I, I I didn't know, man. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we got some merchant account. There's no Stripe then, right? It was one of those horrible merchant processors. It was so so you know it had like barely anything. But basically, I figured out Overture. I did Overture ads, and it was it it truly was too easy. You know, like I was scared, man. I had no idea. I was the marketing, and Andrew was more the operating and a product. And I, I was just watching the CD on my TV, you know, <laughs> of their program. And they said, just put lots of keywords, just load up products and and put lots of keywords and, you know, see what works and then do more of what works and stop doing what doesn't work. Something basic mm-hmm. like that, right? Like he says, like, download this spreadsheet CSV file of the keywords, put them in, copy them, put them in. And yeah, I mean, I got sales. I spent like $5 and I got the next day I got $85 in sales, Mm -hmm. not profit, but sales was still, I mean, it had margin and I was like, what the heck? So, and then, and then I did eBay, but I did better on eBay than my own website with that those days and Mm -hmm. uh, bar products. Mostly my, my, I started Mm -hmm. selling guy stuff, like started Mm -hmm. selling guy stuff and the first storefront, I still have the domain, man, pimp guide. Your guide right. to pimping. <laughs> so yeah. it was like poker supplies, like romantic gifts, bar supplies. But the bar stuff did well. And then I, I couldn't get good margin on a drop shipping. So I, I ended up getting them from a wholesaler that's in Florida. And then I kept moving mm-hmm. up the supply chain and making tons of mistakes. There's so many stories, man. It was, it mm-hmm. was just a school of hard knocks for real. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I ball from china still i still worked wall street but basically yeah i mean that's a, a somewhat of a quicker story i could dig in more if you want <laughs> yeah wow the whole wall street grind yeah and then, i was the okay I was the big so, dude man yeah i was wow. the young guy and, doing the coffees uh-huh. and shit you know yep yep young and hungry like yeah that was you know similar my mindset after college i'm just like how do I just make money? How do I make the most money possible? You know, and so that's <laughs> I, the mindset. I had the know? FU fund, man. Like I renamed my E-Trade savings account the FU fund. You can mm. nickname it. You know. Yep. It's just. 
Yeah, finance, uh, banking, you know, that's where the money's at. But yeah, yeah it I, was I good money. Guys for sure. that had real serious burnout. Yeah, dude. Um, Coffee all morning, sodas, beers at night, and then try to do eBay at night, you know, crazy. Mm -hmm. So you were side hustling eBay, and then you were you eventually making enough where you could, or you quit yeah. the uh, nice. Yeah, so. By 2007, it was doing pretty well. I mean, I mean, there was at that time we 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 kept bringing in a couple of our friends as partners, and we turned our fraternity house. Our I was I already graduated, but I turned my I got one of my younger fraternity brothers, George, involved, and he helped with some shipping and receiving <laughs> at, the, at the frat house, and then and nice. then uh, it started to become pallets getting delivered, and then the president of fraternity chapter you know he's like dude you gotta stop sending shit here man there's no space mm. you're filling up the halls you're filling up the kitchen like you gotta stop nice. <laughs> don't stop don't keep sending shit here man. But, nice and so you were sending the the bar pr products there bar and then for a while and some, then it went yeah go ahead Kai. and then some guy was like shipping them out to the customers every day yeah, George was 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 doing it. Yeah, or he was probably a junior in college at that time, and uh, you know I wasn't working at Wall Street. There was one story. I, I think people you know maybe I'm a little bit you know shyer guy, especially for Wall Street. You know those guys are more like sharks. They're like you know so they always want yeah. to toughen me up. They always wanted me to be mm -hmm. like more vicious on the calls or pushy. Yeah. So. Of course, I'm hustling. I'm I'm checking my shopping cart orders while I'm on Wall Street, and there was one that was like I think it was five thousand dollars, and it was shipping address Cuba, or maybe somewhere somewhere in the Caribbean, and billing address Miami. And I'm like, that looks strange, you know? That mm -hmm. looks strange. So I called up George on the. I usually don't call from my work, but I I call from the work phone. You know, at the Wall Street. I was like, George, did you see? He's like, yeah, yeah. I saw that. It was a big one. So I wanted to get it out same day. I shipped it out yeah. right away. Uh, I was, yeah. I was like, was like, I started freaking out. Like, you just lost this $5,000. You should buy. And uh, the Wall Street guys heard me screaming. And then I, I, I was like, oh, shit. Sorry, sorry. And they're like, that yeah. boy, Mike. They're like, good job. Yeah. Good job. You, you fight for that five. No. You, <laughs> you fight for that five thousand dollars. Fight for that. Oh god! They thought I was doing some kind of trade discrepancy, you know, like because I had to call other broker dealers about trades. So they thought I was trying to do my job and just fight for the five grand difference for our bank instead of the other side because there's a sometimes trade differences. So mm -hmm. that was just a funny one, you know, because they're like, "There he's, there he goes, there he goes." And so that was a five thousand dollar order. The transaction never went through, but the inventory was sent so, um, to and lost. Yeah, I mean, it was actually, there's a good story ending. The customer was real, and he really was mm. from Miami that also was opening a restaurant in, I think, I think it was Cuba, but maybe and somewhere in, maybe it was somewhere else, maybe Puerto Rico. I don't know. I just remember it was high risk. He wanted the order. Like, I emailed him. Mm. I said, hey, even my bank wouldn't give us the money because they said it was fraud. And mm -hmm. so I had to get – or something. I had to get the Spanish proof in Spanish translated to English and sent to my bank so that they would actually take the money because they thought it was mm -hmm. fraud. But it was a real guy. He really wanted the products and he really was opening a restaurant in that Caribbean island. Interesting. Nice. So it He's wasn't fake, products. but it just took a couple of weeks. Seriously, that was, that was a nightmare though. Nice. All right, let's get into some other questions. We covered the journey a little bit. And uh, yeah, like since getting into e-com, like, like how many brands have you launched or, or companies or kind of what, what, was your, what was your main business model like from there? So yeah, the first one was, again, the School of Hard Knocks. And we had a few different partners and we had different different different. You know, like I said, Andrew, I shook my hands from on the street corner, 50-50, and uh, George was in college, and we brought him in, and we all had different, all three of us, I think, and there was a couple others, Brian, you know, it, none of us ever, nobody did business, nobody did 
business, right? Nobody did startups. There was no entrepreneurs. There's no e-commerce sellers. So one 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 wanted cash flow. You know, one wanted to be a banker. And you know, I guess you could assume me. I wanted to make it big. You know, I didn't want to take the money out. So like one guy, one of them, one person wanted to just take his max dividend. Right? He wanted to just sell and take the dividend. So he could, you know, party more or enjoy life more short term and, you know, nothing wrong with that. But basically, yeah, I mean, I was like, I don't want to do that. But so I, I came out to China and I, I sourced for that business. And then I started sourcing for others in the product space as well as uh, started other brands because I got a problem, man. I just love to make stuff. I, I, I don't know. I just can't yeah. stop building things. <laughs> So basically yeah. we kept that one kind of as, as it was for a while because they didn't want to like grow it. And then I started a couple other brands and sourcing services out in, in China. Nice. What was your favorite business model of all of them and why? Yeah, I, I'm doing a, a newer model now where I'm licensing the, I'm licensing some of the, the brands products and I, I like it because one brand is Excalibur Brothers. Mm -hmm. People watching, this is one of the products. It's like a polishing cloth. It's I think I showed maybe when we met up for dinner, but it's this is I'm not the seller. I'm the I'm the brand. But the the seller is a, is another person in Toronto and he likes what I've built with a partner and he buys inventory and lists it in Amazon and sells it and gives me a royalty. And we have a few people mm -hmm. like that. So that I like that model a lot. And I'm also doing some models I showed you where I'm working with the factory or somebody close with the supply chain to, to launch brands. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like the actual, the bar products brand, we're making a, a product brand now. And mm -hmm. uh, so those are a couple of my favorite business models. Nice. So creating, creating brands, like you said, you like creating, creating yeah. products, creating brands. And so what, what's been the secret to success in terms of the creating products slash brands in the, in the physical product space? Yeah. So for me, I don't know if this would be helpful for your listeners, but I've been doing it so long that I get to build up assets that I can use multiple businesses and within a niche like i kind of stick with home and gift and garden you know and so like my first e-com business new york bar store that when i was talking about with andrew i still have the domain now and it's more like an affiliate site for my brands so i'm building out assets content and distribution assets that i can use across multiple brands or products so that I don't need to do so much setup every single time. Right. They all cross promote sense. each other, but they're different brands, different entities, but they all, they can all cross promote. Yeah, okay. exactly. Nice. And nice. I'm even an Amazon influencer myself. So if you look on my, my listings, you'll see me unboxing them, but not as the brand, but as an influencer. And I did it on a different, it's so complicated. It's, I don't know. I mean, I could dig in. I don't know. I just, yeah, because that, that started because the brand says it's tacky. If the brand does an unboxing, I don't know if we talked about this at our dinner meeting, but they said it looks weird. If, if the brand is unboxing their own product. So I was like, you know what? I could just unbox it as myself under a different brand. Uh, you know, not a product brand, but a unboxing brand. So I'm kind of like making an affiliate site where I'm an imp, I'm the unboxer. I unbox my own products. And finally it's kind of showing up on the listings because for they they kind of put you in the box for a while and they only show it on your own influencer page, not on the product listings. But now they're starting to show mm -hmm. on the product listings. Okay. Nice. Maybe you had to build up your your Amazon influencer. Did you yeah. have to be like an A A plus influencer or whatever they call it? A list? Or you're not there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I got to study how I even did it. I did it over years. Like I said, like I, I did it and started doing it in 2016. I mean, I, my buyer, I, I, I use my buyer account. My buyer accounts are from 2010. 
And I was always giving reviews. Not, I never gave my reviews to my own products because I know that's dangerous. But I gave yeah. reviews to friends' re- products or I gave reviews to books I like to read. I just wanted to have like an active buyer account as an asset. And that was even before the influencer program came out. And then it started coming out right mm. in 2017. So I signed up. But then I didn't really think about doing it. From, I was actually scared to do it for my own products because I thought I was going to get like violations because I'm a buyer and a seller. Yeah. Uh, I hope I'm not breaking anything, but friends have told me, and you, maybe you could tell me. But, but at, all I know is I, I built it up over time. I don't, I don't from zero starting from zero. I'm not sure. I just was kind of mm-hmm. maybe lucky to say. I, yeah, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Like I don't want to discourage new people, but, but the point is, you just start and you just build. I guess I'm a, a workaholic, but you start to get these opportunities, right? You, you know, I didn't know that the influencer program was. Let me make my own product unboxing because my partner, my brand says it's tacky to have the brand as an unboxing and then I can use my influence. You know what I'm saying? So I have peeled up these assets that mm-hmm. I can use across my various brands and businesses within a, a niche. Mm-hmm. Nice. What was the most profitable business model that you've done? Hmm. Usually sometimes profitable does not mean scalable scalable profitable meaning like you can make a lot but you can't make you can make high margins or right hmm. but not scalable yeah but true um, true true so i guess another way to frame i guess what what has made you the most profit you know like i think when when i work with these factory direct they give me the factory price and i partner with the factory and then you know i'm going like factory to the to the distribution to the to Amazon directly with uh, to bring in the factories it, products basically D2C but does that mean it's under your private label brand or or their well like yeah I mean I'm a brand? I'm currently a, a 30% shareholder of it and their factory is 70% and they're also financing the inventory got it so they basically brought you on as their D2C marketer for yeah. 30%, but it's it's not a brand that you created it's some chinese brand we did we did it together and so it's, we did it together so like this is one, this, this is one right here this is one of them Asato. so it's the bar oh, yeah, you showed me that yeah so there's pores and there's a whole shitload of these like coasters so these are, you know, okay. these are. So you and so you did create your own brand there. Yeah, we but, created um, it together. Yeah, but it's so it's kind of like private label, except you can sell it at a lower price. Yeah, I mean, because source I'm getting it, and you, and you just get thirty yeah. percent of the sale price. So I'm a I'm an equity holder. I'm a shareholder in a joint venture. So we set up a company together where we put the brand the. The trademark the ownership and the, the cash and the bank account is shared. And then, of course, we dividend out money or or a salary out money. We, we have different structure. But it's basically set up a company together and then basically factory direct pricing. But we're buying from the factory. Again, you know, there's cost right. to the product. So, yeah. So instead of just charging a markup and selling it wholesale kind of to private labelers they're not charging any markup and just going straight to amazon and then you're probably able to compete better with a better price on amazon and then you're they're just paying you 30 percent of the sale price okay interesting and i i would guess you know that's harder to set up because you probably got to be in China and, and be wheeling and dealing to yeah. get those kind of setups. Yeah. Well, this is a Thai factory, this one. And, uh, oh. But in China, it could happen too. But in China, it's really unfortunate, but I didn't get these kind of deals, opportunities in China because I don't know. I think the most the, over my 10 plus years in China, they would never offer me something like this. They usually would just want me to open a seller account give me like off the top on sales like two to three to four percent more for my id <laughs> i don't know if you understand what i'm talking about mm-hmm. they wouldn't 
they sometimes hard for Chinese sellers to get U.S. seller accounts. So uh, two or three say, or four hey, times. Use your account, and they'll give you a yeah, few percent. They want to just to manage the store probably and use your account. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in, in China, I don't think I. I would. I think they mostly keep it. And from what I've seen within Chinese to Chinese people, yeah. even me, I've been there 10 years. I didn't get those kind of opportunities. Got it. And so if you're partnered with this Thai company, how does it work with like ad spend and expenses? Or is it like you get 30% of, of profit? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, so I'm a shareholder. I'm, shareholder I'm so. Technically, oh. my company, I don't, I don't do things directly. So my company is a shareholder and his, yeah. their company is a shareholder. And then we do, of course, we can change the rules, but we dividend, we do a dividend twice a year. And mm -hmm. of course, we pay for expenses. It's got to, to his company or to my company that we agree upon. Like, yeah, like my team's costs, of course, is expensed. Of course, he's getting his product paid back as an invoice to his company, but it's like a joint venture company. And then as we grow, you know, there could be more ways we could do it but just any kind of venture right you could give yourself a salary you can give yourself a dividend you could retain the earnings and just keep reinvesting back into like growing the business mm -hmm. nice okay cool let's get to the next question what is the most exciting thing in e-commerce today for you you know i want to do more of it Crypto, I still believe there's a huge opportunity to bridge crypto and e-com. You know, I know, I don't know if we talked about, I don't know if you've done any crypto, Riley, or not, but, you know, I know it's got a bad rap, especially right now we're in a bear market in crypto and there's a lot of scams and this FTX guy just can't, he did such a disservice. To yeah. yeah, he messed it up because it doesn't need to be a, I mean, anything can be a scam, right? It just doesn't mean all of crypto is a scam, but... Yeah. But I still believe this NFT, Web3, crypto, e-com is going to come together. I, I think there's going to be, might already exist today, some kind of a, an Amazon for, N I mean, of course, there's OpenSea for NFTs, which is like the top NFT marketplace. But I just think there's going to be some kind of a merger. There's going to be some kind of an Amazon or Amazon itself is going to do some kind of NFTs with with the product, like I, I'm really thinking of it. I, 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 I can't really see it, say it clear enough, but it just makes sense to me. Yeah, like to merge this NFT because you, with the brand, with the e-commerce, right? Because yeah. you can join the brand through an NFT. You know, what I was thinking like. Amazon has such a dominating stranglehold on the market, but like if anything to come out as a competitor, like what if people built like a decentralized Amazon, a decentralized e-commerce platform, basically Amazon without the huge fees, like small exactly. fees. Exactly. So more for the people, more for the sellers, and they're not taking 30% of the cut. Well, that's this. You, know, you, you make me think of looks rare for OpenSea versus OpenSea because that's what looks rare did. Looks rare mm -hmm. has their own token, and then they just said we're not going to have any fees, or the fees go back to the people. So the fees yeah. we collect goes back to the community. I would agree. I guess the big challenge is the sellers like us. We're the bottom man. They don't give a shit about us. It's the buyer. So you got to get the buyers to go. If you can use some other way to get buyers to buy somewhere else, the sellers will go. Yeah, right? you need you need to be there. And it's also like, like, obviously, you need, you know, capital to, to create an awesome platform. You know, Amazon is, a, is an awesome front-end platform with all its bells and whistles and, and stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm sure you could create a much simpler version for doesn't need to be hugely complicated and just, you know, e-commerce sellers can list their stuff on there. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like what, what Shopify is, but like, and I think Shopify is 
coming out with Shopify Marketplace. I think they already have it in Canada. Basically, a, a, com- yeah. a competitor to Amazon, just without as as high Amazon fees. But you know, I was thinking, might as well. What if it's you know decentralized and you know, true. You know, you know, kind of just like a community market, decentralized, controlled by the people without huge high fees. And uh, yeah, that was just yeah an idea. I'm sure someone's working on that. It is a good one. That makes sense. I mean, I just, I just feel like maybe what I've noticed is I think it's still too early for a crypto. Maybe because you got to get the, the general consumer has to, yeah, see that. Yeah, and obviously on that you would be able to. Yeah, once people use it more for daily transactions, then you know you can see more people shopping on some sort of decentralized platform and. You know, who knows? Maybe Amazon will accept coins in the future, but maybe they're on Amazon coin. Like, but you know the, but the other thing, the other half of Amazon is its logistics empire, and so no matter where you buy, no matter what website you buy it, you gotta have the the physical trucks and boxes and warehousing and and humans slash robots picking and packing them, and so that's their other empire that's behind the scenes that is almost just as important as the website exactly and so yeah so you can't just hire some coders to set that up yeah yeah it's uh, it is something they they did spend a lot on that i remember their investors were not happy sometimes because they invested heavily into this for a long time Mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense i mean they're they're trying to yeah, become the next UPS and who knows, they'll probably buy them, and, you know, so big, being the biggest logistics company in the, in the world, if, if they aren't already are. Agreed. So, yeah, interesting times. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. About an hour here. And uh, let's see one last question I have on my list. Perfect things to avoid when getting into Amazon slash e-com, what things looking back would you avoid or, or, or tips you would give to other guys getting in? I mean, it's an easy one for me. I did too many products. <laughs> I even drop shipping, but some were wholesale, some were drop ship. But, you know, I went too wide in my product line. Yeah. And that, sh- that shit killed me. It was like a whack-a-mole, man. You'd, you'd run out of stock on one, you'd fill in another, you'd run out of stock on this one. It's that 80-20 rule, you know, finding the what works and doubling down on what works. And, you know, maybe one, you know, I think at one point I had like 400 SKUs. And at one at one point, you know, you don't want to, you know, one's kind of doing okay sales. And you don't want to you know, spend time building it, getting it going, so sourcing it. But, uh, you know, I think it's always focusing on what works, doubling down on what works and cutting what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And don't get too attached. Yeah. Nice. Great advice. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. Nice, nice chat. I hope some people got some, some good tips and insights out of this. Yeah. If you did, if you watched this far, like the video for sure. Yeah. Check out Mike online, everything he's doing, like link in description, lots of things in e-commerce. And so if you got, if you guys have questions, post them in the comments and uh, yeah, Mike, I will see you Thanks. around at, at probably some point around, around Thailand. Yeah, I look forward to it, Riley. Thanks for having me, man. It was fun. All right. Cheers. Cheers. And thank you to our sponsor, our returning sponsor, Mercury.com, online bank. Well, it's a real bank, but you can do it totally online for U.S. Our Blimp program participants are going through this as well. Thank you, Mercury. Travis is great there. He's been on our show. He's been in our events. We're going to have another event where we will have them attending as well. And if you want to get a little bonus for you and us, if you sign up and do some special circumstances you can go to globalfamasia.com slash mercury i also have a video tutorial that we use even for the blimp people use the same exact video to learn how to use it i hope you can check it out totally free why not see you there awesome riley really cool also we got to meet up in bangkok have a nice little dinner also zach franklin is there it was a lot of fun you know it's the highlight of the game of the hustle of the never-ending grind at least for me i am a workaholic you know i'll be 42 in 2023 and you know i think 
I said in the intro I would give you some ideas of what to expect next year. So we've got to do it. We've got to make it happen. Cross-Border Summit's got to come back. Don't have an exact date yet, but looking like November in Thailand. It's between Bangkok or Chiang Mai, to be honest. I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm leaning towards Chiang Mai because it's... It's laid back. It can have more out. I like the outdoor style events that we did at Cross Border Summit in, in China. They would always have some indoor and outdoor. and uh, But basically, it's got to happen. I'm going to make it happen. You know, COVID really knocked a lot of us around and I kept delaying it. But I think we got it most of the year. November is the end of the year. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it no matter what. So that's that's one announcement. Also, I've been talking to Amazon themselves here in Thailand and Southeast Asia. I've been talking to a lot of the different team there. They they are looking to do more training and workshops and events, and and uh, they support Global from Asia and me to to help do more events and training for Amazon. So we'll be doing some meetups here in Chiang Mai, looking at Bangkok, looking at Manila, looking at Singapore, looking at some other locations, already talking to some people to help do some speaking at those. So looking like maybe monthly in-person events in various parts of Southeast Asia. Of course, if you're in our members, you'll be the first to know and get priority access and invitations to that. So stay tuned. I'm going to be meeting some people on Christmas Eve here in Chiang Mai about that. So it's still in the works, but it looks like it's a New Year's initiative. Another is putting together all our different brands into a holding company. I'm talking, you know, I think you've met, if you listen to the show, you've met some of our business partners in these uh, in these various episodes, looking to synergize and, and put this all under one kind of umbrella, also make my life a little bit easier and, and some more uh, scale, uh, economies of scale. So looking to do that, and um, I put a regular PowerPoint for that, but of course it's confidential and private for now. But you know, if I know you well enough, or you're in our membership and interested, I'll be I'll be sharing that. So that's another one. And those are the main initiatives I think relevant to global from Asia. I know some of you remember I talked about Handshake. I'm still active in Handshake and Web3, although I don't have too much topics on that in the Global from Asia show. Uh, I kind of made an old channel at Sky Include all about that. People have been following, but the point is we're gonna do a HandyCon in March, probably the first half of March online event for that community if you're interested in that handycon.xyz and so those are some of the big initiatives a lot of them cross-border summit more workshops and meetups in southeast asia and making a holding company for the various brands and of course the web3 stuff which is kind of still new and and early stage but it's still an exciting thing for me so those those are some of our main initiatives and uh, just really excited to keep on building, keep on growing. We had an amazing retreat, 15 people at Shadstone Ninjas. We call them ninjas, making this show, making all amazing things happen for our various investments and businesses. Thank you, Alvin, Jason, and everyone there. Faith couldn't make it to this recording right now. And thanks, but of course, thanks, Faith and everyone making all this stuff happen also our sponsors mercury's been going now a couple years cross better logistics definitely give them a shout we've been using them more and more for various businesses and they're they're doing great so that's it that's it lots going on let's make this globalfamilia.com slash digital dash nomad and it we are nomads we are making it happen Thank you so much for watching and listening and supporting for all these shows. I know there's some regular listeners, and I really appreciate you so much. All right, that's it. Ciao. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Let's rock 2023. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.